Do you ever want to hear how the famous found fame? How the poor man became a millionaire? How risking comfort gave someone more freedom? Honestly, some days, do you ever just need someone to tell you that everything is going to turn out okay? You're listening to the Y'all Podcast, where everyone has a seat at the table. I'm your host, Laura Jean Bell. I'm on a mission to restore hope to your future. Join me as I share stories about life and faith with a little Southern twang. I will share stories of the past and the ones that are still being written to help you laugh at the days to come. Meet with me around the table, telling tales about the lives of others, of business, risk, heartache, joy, failure, and success. Let go of the fear that hopelessness is your destiny and fill up on the encouragement that mercies are new each day. Because the best thing about a story is that there is a beginning and an end. On today's episode of the Y'all Podcast, I'm interviewing Joel Salatin. Joel is a farmer, author, father, husband, and friend. His farm, Polyface Farms, resides in the small town of Swope, Virginia. He runs a massive operation using regenerative farming methods. This is his second appearance on the Y'all Podcast, and man, it was a big one. Buckle up for this long, detailed episode where we break down our food system, health, and even my own personal journey. Joel is unmatched in his knowledge and unwavering in his faith. Join us as we chat together. You can find him online at at Joel Salatin or at Polyface Farms on Instagram, or you can go to his website, polyfacefarms.com. Get ready, y'all. This one is good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a part of this episode. I am like ecstatic to just dive in, especially since our last chat was like summer 2020, which was what a time, what a time to be alive. Right. Um, man, I have, I decided in that season to really journal through it. So it was such a good time. And that interview was, was so good and just chock full. And I have so much more I want to share, but for anyone who is listening, who, um, who doesn't know who you are, just give us a brief intro. Who are you? Who are you married to? Tell us about where you live, all that. <laughs> so I'm Joel Salatin. Uh, our family runs and owns, operates, whatever, um, Polyface Farm in Virginia, Shenandoah Valley. A lot of people probably are aware of the farm through Michael Pollan's New York Times bestseller, Omnivore's Dilemma, as well as the award-winning documentary Food Inc. that was done, you know, a decade ago. Yeah. And um, and so, you know, our family came here in, uh, in 1961. I was just four years old. So if you're quick at math, you know, I'm 65. And, <laughs> um, and, and you know, we, uh, mom, uh, dad was a, uh, an accountant. Mom was a school teacher. They spent the first year, uh, 10 years working off farm, paying the mortgage. And, um, and then, you know, meanwhile, I'm becoming a teenager and becoming very interested in the farm. And how do I make, how do I make a living on this farm? You know, that was, that was the, the, the question. And um, in September 24, 1982, um, I walked out of a, I, w- I was a, a newspaper jur- a reporter at the local newspaper doing the, you know, the town commute thing. Teresa and I had gotten married. We were living in the attic of the old farmhouse. Uh, you could call it an attic. We called it the penthouse. Yeah, and, you, uh, you know, and we, 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 we drove a, we drove a $50, $50 car. Uh, if we didn't grow it, we didn't eat it, you know, um, we, we lived on about $300 a month. Uh, we had our own wood stove, our own wood, you know? And so, 
in uh, in a couple of years, we were able to save up enough that we thought, you know what, um, I think we can survive for one year. And so I handed in my two week notice, walked out of that office and fully expected to run through that little nest egg. But, you know, OK, I was hoping, well, maybe our full time away can be cut from 15 years to 10 or 10 to eight or whatever. And as it turned out, I'll start crying here in a minute. Uh, as it turned out, that that little nest egg just it was like the widow's cruise of oil. You know, it just kept it just it just kept going. And um, and we never never looked back. It was tough. You know, it was it was tight, but uh, I wouldn't trade those years for anything. And I'm so thankful that we didn't have we didn't have money. We didn't have off farm income because because the uh, the hunger made us very creative. You know, you get really creative when you're hungry. And I'm so thankful that we were hungry. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's so inspiring and so honestly just encouraging um, to to hear that. Um, you know, my husband and I kind of we didn't start out uh, at your level at three hundred a month. I mean, that's inflation is a special time right now. Joel. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah the, 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 the equivalent, yeah, Laura, the, the equivalent today. Uh, I mean, you know, that was that was uh, what forty-two years ago, yeah. forty years ago. So the, the equivalent today would be, let's say, um, uh, probably two thousand a month. Yeah. But that's still that's still not a whole lot. No, and and Cody and I lived on on less than that in twenty fourteen when we first got married. So it's always encouraging to just hear people and and their stories of like, right. where, where did you start? What did you do? You know, and like how it doesn't last forever, how those seasons just come to pass, you know, yeah. and like you are refined through fire, um, and through those, those hard times. And so it's so, it's just so encouraging to hear. Um, so we have not talked, um, since 2020 and, um, I just, I have so many thoughts and so many questions. Um, my first one for a lot of people who may, again, who may not have heard the first episode and are listening, you know, you, you are very big on regenerative farming. And, um, so if you could briefly share kind of the difference, like a quick definition of the difference between commercial farming and regenerative farming and, and what those differences are and kind of what that means to you. And in that sense. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, so when you say the term regenerative farming, that I mean, there's a lot of buzzwords: ecological farming, environmental, uh, whatever. And so, uh, so you know, a, a couple of things that are um, that 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 I like to think about is number one, you know, does it build soil? You know, what, whatever the, whatever the model is, are you building soil or depleting soil? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, right now uh, in in the industry, you know, every every bushel of corn costs us like two bushels of, of soil, that sort of thing. And so, you know, we're still, you know, losing tremendous amounts of soil. So, uh, so does, does it build soil? That that's, that's one. Uh, another one, when we think about regeneration is, does it regenerate the people? Um, those who know me say that, you know, I know that um, one of my definitions of, of regenerative agriculture is, are there two salaries being generated from two different generations? Because if you don't have two salaries for two generations, you're on a pretty fragile trajectory because what if somebody gets sick? What if somebody dies? You know, what's the what's the succession plan? Succession is the ultimate regeneration. Right. And so that means we have to have an economic model, uh, a relationship model, (laughs) uh, you know, and and a production model Mm -hmm. that that attracts, retains 
and inspires the next generation. Yeah. And, um, and yeah. most, you know, unfortunately, many, if not most, I'll be very charitable here, uh, farmers don't want their kids to be farmers. You know, they, they, it's too hard. It's too long. It doesn't pay well enough. It's, you know, whatever. And, um, and so what we want is a, is a farming of, is a farming template that is attractive to our best and brightest, our sharpest young people, uh, that, that are attracted to it. And then I would say, um, if I could just have a third one, the third one would be, um, you know, can it withstand shocks? Uh, the shocks would be anything from weather, weather anomalies to political anomalies to economic anomalies. I mean, you know, like right now you know, we're hearing about all this fertilizer cost and, uh, and, and, and the wheat shortages and all that. And we're looking at our farm and we're saying, you know, we don't buy any ammonium nitrate. We don't buy any phosphorus or potassium, you know? And, and so, so uh, all of this angst that's happening in the greater, um, you know, agriculture industry, we, we, I mean, you know, we don't, we don't like paying, you know, uh, six bucks for diesel, like any, any more than anybody else, right. but we've actually, we actually audited ourselves and realized we could pay $12 a gallon for diesel and still be okay. Now I wouldn't like it, but right. there, there, there is, there is a little bit of whatever affirmation in just yeah. knowing that you'll be the last guy standing. You hope by the time <laughs> you're the last guy standing, somebody yeah, smarter right. than me, you know, so yeah. smarter than me figured out how to, you know, uh, how to help me not be the last guy standing. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the, the, that, that resiliency, I think, is a, is a big deal because the, the whole uh, industry runs on efficiency today. It's all about uh, fatter, faster, bigger, cheaper. And right. what we're learning, what we're learning now is that if, if you first are not resilient, you actually don't have anything to be efficient with. Right. So, yeah. So the right. first, th the first thing is is resilience. So those yeah, are kind yeah. of three, you know, three broad ideas that I think of when I think of uh, regenerative ag. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I grew up. So my grandfather was a farmer. And my great grandfather was a farmer, and everybody before him was a farmer until my dad. Um, and my dad was first generation college student, went to college and yep. went into business and did other things besides farming, but always maintained the land. We've kept it. We purchased more land, and we actually now live on our farm. Um, but he did commercial farm farming. And it's interesting how, like when things evolved, it, it changed generationally, like how we did farming. And now all of a sudden you're seeing like, it's really hard to do it that way. It's uh, farming is a hard job in general, but it doesn't have to be miserable. Um, and it can work, work for itself, like work within itself. And one thing that Cody and I really admired when we brought my dad to your farm, Cody, um, started really listening to um, your TED talks and your interviews and all of those things. I, because for our anniversary in 2018, I wanted a garden in our backyard and Cody was determined that he was going to build one and that it was going to rock. Like it was going to be awesome. Um, and so he just started looking people up and he found you. Um, Cody was able to show me that I'm not allergic to eggs. I'm allergic to how they were raised. He was able mm -hmm. to show me, um, how to plant a garden, how to do things like in a totally different light. And he started talking to my dad and my dad's like, yeah, I know about Wendell Berry. Yeah, I know about all these people. Like, you know, it's cool, but it's for, it's a small scale kind of thing. Yeah, right, kind of would just ignore, ignore what Cody had to say. Um, fast forward, we work for a company called World Tree. We plant these trees that are, um, 
they offset carbon footprints, they redistribute nitrogen to the soil. It's, it's just all types of things. It's very uh, green, if you want to mm -hmm. call it any word green. Um, yeah. And Cody decided to come to Polyface and we took my dad and my dad on the drive from Alabama that like from Virginia back to Alabama, he had a legal pad. And I mean, was writing like crazy because it was so cool to witness a farm that was honestly just using the earth in the world, the way that the Lord intended it to be yeah. used. You know, it's so simple. It's so, it's so awesome. Um, so I just want to brag on you for that. You've taught us so, so, so much. Um, so I'm curious when it comes to your farm, um, since 2020, do you feel like you have seen a difference in the response to your farm? Um, uh, you know, that's a interesting question. Certainly in early 2020, yeah. uh, like in the summer of 2020, when we talked, we were, we were in the throes of the, um, <laughs> of the great uh, shuffle right in the food system the the supermarket shelves were bare farmers like us I and mean, we we sold we sold half a year's inventory in about four or five weeks i mean it it, it was a madhouse it was absolutely a madhouse and uh and i mean it was the financially it was the best thing that ever happened to us we said, man bring it on you know yeah. uh, um, and I, I don't want to be i don't want to be flipping about covid you know i don't, I don't want to be just cavalier and flipping about it, but 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 i can tell you um you know as a small local business um you know as as the as the big businesses um began faltering and and their just just in time inventory started to falter um you know those of us who you know, we, we have to maintain, you know, like half a year's inventory just because of, uh, because we don't have, you know, we, we don't have a warehouse. We don't have warehouses that we can order up stuff. And yeah. so we have to be the warehouse. And yeah. so, so uh, the result was that, that, you know, that was, that was a banner year. That was a good year. So, you know, fast forward to today, here we are two years later. Um, and, and uh, it's, it's still, it's still good. Um uh, for sure now inflation and other things that are kicking in uh you know uh, we think that that whole that whole excited edge mm -hmm. is, is uh, backed off now and uh and so we're kind of back to pre uh yeah. and so so i don't you know we were hoping that when people tasted it and they and they started using better stuff that it would stick and uh and and some did but um, a lot of people, as soon as, you know, as soon as the crisis was over, you know, we're right back to normal. You know, um, uh, Prince Charles says that a culture is known by its religion, architecture and food. And so if you, if you think about what are the three hardest things for a culture to to adjust, yeah. it's religion, architecture and food. Yeah. And so. Yeah. And, and, and so here we are, you know, in the, in the same boat, what we, what we have seen uh, that's, that's really happened is, um, is the interest in, in the kind of farming we do. So we are, we are actually, we're actually pivoting now some, uh, we're, we're not, we're not growing the food element. What we are growing is the educational arm. Uh, yeah. Way more people are visiting from all over the world. Uh, the I call it a tsunami. The the urban urban rural urban to rural tsunami. Um, yeah. You know, intuitively, 
when things when things look kind of rough, um, you want to head for the hills. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you want to go and, hide, and, right? Right, and that's exactly what's happening. I mean, the the price of small acreages like homesteads has you know doubled and tripled in some places. Yeah. And, and, and so everybody's wanting, you know, okay, so I've got my five acres. How do I raise a steer? How do I how do I raise chickens? And so our educational arm is uh, is just is just going up the wazoo and, yeah. and, and, you know, videographers wanting to come and document it on video and, and, and do courses and different things. And it, it, it's so big. We've even, um, our big project for the winter was building a, um, a an amphitheater uh, here. Oh, wow. So we, so we can now host, you know, 300, 350 person uh, gatherings for outfits who don't want to go to a Sheraton Marriott or, or whatever and want to get together for a gathering and we had our first one saturday we've got we've got got seven right now scheduled for this summer and um and people love it you know they're they're out in the fresh air they're not breathing hvac stuff um and and they know they're getting the best food in the world and and organizers that want to meet um they're happy because they don't have to wrestle with dining services and well we can't let that come in here raw milk no that could never come in this kitchen and blah 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 yeah. <laughs> you know we don't we don't have any of those problems and so and so the, the organizations that want that, that want a uh, an authentic food component to their gathering yeah. um uh you know we take all that pressure off their off their plate and so um you know there's an mit professor uh, Laura, there's an MIT professor that did a, he's one of these uh, futuristic guys mm-hmm. in a lecture uh, a, a couple of years ago, actually, uh, where he said he, he was talking about the future, the future farm. What, what's the farm yeah. of the future going to look like? Yeah. And um, he said, the farm of the future is going to be um, three things are going to happen there. One is of course, you know, physical sustenance, food. Yeah. The other is going to be fellowship people are going to come there to, to, to fellowship and, 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 and get together. And the third thing is to transfer information. So information, fellowship, and food. Uh, those were the three kind of things that he predicted. And I, I think that that is, um, that's actually developing even as we speak yeah. that, 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 that people's, people's destinations and their protocols for get togethers, um, are, are not as urban as they've been. They're, they're looking at rural. They're looking at, at getting away rather than getting into. And, yeah, um, yeah. and so that's a, that's a pretty different, pretty uh, interesting thing. It's like, it's so cool. Cause it's like, you're just getting to see more fruit from your labor and like, see just like the new inner workings of how people will respond to what they're hearing and what and what's happened, and also just the way that people are going to respond to the world. I know that 2020 really transformed a lot of how I thought about things, you know, it was all Cody could talk about. And I remember in 2018, he kept saying to me, like, I don't know what it is, but I feel like the Lord is like highlighting this to me. Like I need to be paying attention. And, um, and, and it was like, he just, it, every time he would finish one of your books, he would buy another one. I mean, he was just like, how can I? absorb this information Wendell Berry like all these people um and it drove me crazy because I'm like we don't live on a farm like why do you care so Uh, much you know um but approaching 2020 we for the sake of this tree project that we're doing and we moved here and we have about a thousand acres here and so it 
you know, it was something that obviously the Lord knew in advance and being able to learn this information and, and what happens and, and even myself having health problems and seeing what happens when I drink raw milk and when I, you know, eat pastured eggs and grass fed and finished beef. Like it just, it's such a difference. Um, coming from a previous vegan, <laughs> it, it makes a big difference. So, um, so yeah, yeah it sure, sure does. So yeah. So what, what's what the, um, you know, the, the refrain that I'm hearing, I mean, both in the business community and an individual, uh, like right now, just in time inventory has changed now in the business world to just in case. Th- think, think of what a difference just in, just in time is compared to just in case. So, yeah. you know, guess what? Um, we're looking at warehousing and how do we stockpile stuff? Well, that's what our great grandmothers did. They had a larder, you know, they had a larder and and the the food wasn't at the Costco warehouse. The food was in my house, at least enough for, you know, five or six months, right. Until the next season. And so what these, what these cycles do is they just, um, they, they just show that historical normality, um, uh, things tend to come around to historical normality, you know, uh, that's just the way it is. And, um, and so what we're seeing is people asking, how do I disentangle? How do I disentangle from, you know, all this, uh, you know, and and reduce dependency on it. And so what, what I see that people are wanting is they're, they're wanting a proximate community that is eclectic enough to have people in relationship with me who know how to grow things, build things and fix things. Yep. And if, if you, if you are surrounded geographically, you know, nearby by people who know how to grow things, build things and fix things. Yeah. You, you, you might not, you know, no man's an Island. You can't completely pull the plug on everything. Right. But let me tell you, you can, you can at least reduce your vulnerability and the fragility of your life, uh, yeah. if you're surrounded by by uh, people who know how to grow things, build things, and fix things. Yeah, I mean, it's so accurate. Right now, Cody and I are looking at getting a dairy cow, and we have 50 <laughs> broilers and 25 layers. You got, you got any dairy cows for sale? <laughs> we can't find them anywhere. Um, no, no but- that's, a, that's, a hot, that's, a, that's a hot item. That's a hot item. A lot of people are getting uh getting a cow you better yeah. believe it. we got plenty um, of beef we don't need yeah. beef we need milk yeah, you don't yeah. need beef um I, I will give you one piece of advice if you're if you're looking for a dairy cow um yeah. so, so sometimes people you know are trying to find them in, in in unconventional places you know somebody that's just got three or four or whatever and has a heifer calf whatever i would encourage you to um you know to visit a a dairy i mean a, just a regular dairy yeah that that hopefully doesn't have um holsteins but um but if it's holsteins it's holsteins hopefully it'd be you know guernsey or jersey or or something um i mean holsteins are the most common yeah anyway uh and and just ask them for you know if if they've got a a a bottom milker like one that um one that 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 isn't keeping up uh you know she's just doesn't, doesn't produce much milk not enough milk for them for them to make margin maybe they're thinking about culling her 
Yeah. Uh, you don't want something that's 10 years old. You want something that's, you know, five, six years old, you know, kind of moderate, has had a calf or two yeah. and get a bottom milker. Uh, you might you might get her for for not very expensive because she's a bottom, but you don't need you don't you don't need six gallons of milk a day. No. Um, no. And, and, and so so if you get one of these that's only producing, you know, five gallons a day or four gallons a day, that's plenty for a family. All right. Yeah. And 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 um, and sometimes you can you can help you can help solve their problem. Well, we've got this cow. Don't know whether we should call her. Uh, we're going to keep her. She's not really making. Eh, what do we do? And you can solve their problem. Pay them more than they would get at the at the sale barn for hamburger. And yeah, yeah. Uh, and you can get your cow. They can get rid of their bottom one, and uh, everybody's happy. I mean, what have we been doing? Searching the internet. We just needed to call you. This is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, and Thank you. That, that, that's that's what we always did and and you know what then what you do is you can breed her to a beef bull um and 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 her if if she's a you know if she's a good milker yeah. uh one of the best milk cows we ever had was half holstein and half angus no and she was way. she was a black she was a black white face and she gave us you know four gallons of milk a day i mean yeah. Uh, and, and it was, it was real high butter fat cause she wasn't all purebred dairy had a yeah. lot of cream. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, and so, you know, you can, you, you can, you can get along a while like this, but, um, anyway, that's uh, brilliant. No, that's like, this is actually super helpful. Cody is going to be like bouncing off the wall. Um, that's huge. Good. I always laugh when I hear people talk about Holsteins. My grandmother, um, used to always watch the Chick-fil-A commercials before she passed away. And I can just see her <laughs> leaning back on her chair sipping yeah, yeah. Her coffee, and uh -huh. she'd go, everybody knows Holsteins ain't good beef. I mean, it yeah. was just like, <laughs> why are they using them as a beef cow? Like they're not for beef. Um, so, no. so good. So good. I love it. Thank you for your advice. Well, on that. well maybe that's encouraging. May, may maybe that Holstein cow is about as good as the, uh, as the industrial chicken that Chick-fil-A uses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much though. I mean, you gotta admit, Hey, you need to get a contract with Chick-fil-A change them up a little bit. That'd be so awesome. Oh my gosh. How amazing would that be? You'd have a, you'd be having a lot more broiler boxes probably or shelters. Sorry. I call it a broiler yeah. box. Cody really gets on to me about that. Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's a box it's like a box for them to live in right Maybe. yeah but a, a, bo a box a box usually has a top bottom and sides right. this doesn't have a bottom this doesn't have a bottom i know and, but but really but I, I but i grant i grant you i grant you that box is easier to say it's one syllable not two right but, exactly you know, yeah. <laughs> Roller box. It's just, it rolls off the tongue, alliterations. Yeah, it's all good. I love it. We're, we're really excited about getting our chickens in there and having That's them great. in the yard. And we've had a, a special time with um, predators. We've lost a lot of laying hens from predators. Mm -hmm. So we uh -huh. got a, we got a dog and we're wow. working our way up. You'd be so proud. So proud. I um, I am. Well, okay. So you've clearly seen back to questions you've you've seen a difference in since 2020 and you're in the response to your farm as far as like information goes clearly you had a surge I mean had that much inventory purchased but um that's always going to level out um what has been um something that you have 
seen to be the most positive effect, like how it's maybe affected the people that work alongside you. Um, or even, I mean, it can go in correlation to the people that are coming and visiting your farm. What are, what are some positive things that you've really seen, um, be birthed out of your farm as a whole, um, since the pandemic? Uh, yeah, I can think of two really quick. Um, one, one, one is this whole desire for, you know, for education. So my, um, in, in complete, uh, whatever transparency and self-serving, my book sales are through the roof. Uh, we, um, you know, uh, Pastured Poultry Profits, which was my first book, came out in 1991, I think. Mm-hmm. 1991. Well, that's a long time ago, right? 30 and, years. Um, yeah, 30 years. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, when, when, we, when we did that one, we were told by, you know, people in the business well, a book like this usually runs its course in about 10 years. You know, it, it'll, it'll bell curve, you know, the sales will come up, then it'll peak and then it'll drop off in about a, about a 10 year cycle. Yeah. We're now 30 years in and it's selling more today yeah. than it ever did, wow. which, which is just un- unbelievable yeah. in that, uh, in that, in that space. So, so in a lot of ways, we feel like we're riding this, this tsunami wave of interest um, I don't know when it's going to stop. I don't know. I, um, I feel like it's still expanding and growing and there are just more and more people coming to, you know, backyard chickens, to gardening, to canning, uh, freeze drying, you know, you know, uh, heritage, her- heritage arts. So, um, you know, that, that's one thing. The second thing that's really, really um, interesting to me is that for the first time in my life, um, the, the pricing is not as different. So let me back up all my life. We've been accused of being food, food snobs, food elitist food. You know, you don't care about poor people. Look at the price of your chicken, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and, and this spring, this spring we had, we found out that, um, I mean, I don't go to Costco. All right. But, but, uh, we had, we had people in the, in the store here shopping and they was, my goodness, your sirloin steak is nine bucks a pound at Costco at 16. And I got to doing, I got to doing some sleuthing and, um, and here, you know, Tyson has raised beef prices 32% in the last 12 months. And I think they've raised it again. Um, and, and, and I'm looking at this whole thing saying, you know, what's, what's going on here. And here, here's my take on it. I might be wrong, but here's my take. My take is that for the first time in my lifetime, mm-hmm. um, um, scale, size, uh, quote unquote, scale efficiency mm-hmm. has become a liability, not an asset. Huh. You know, 20, 25 of us now, I told you about our humble beginnings, 25 of us now live, live a, uh, earn a salary here on our, on our farm. So it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, not a backyard deal anymore, but you know what? I don't wake up every morning wondering, man, I wonder, I wonder who's going to, who's going to turn me into the uh, national labor relations board or, you know, the, the uh, whatever the CDC for not offering the right amount of quarantine or the right kind of uh, uh, you know, uh, COVID test or whatever. Um, but, but, but uh, Laura, these big businesses, these big outfits, you know, where they've got 5,000 people in a slaughterhouse, you know, 2000 people in a tomato cannery, um, these big businesses, 
they 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 live on that tension every day. Their HR departments, their HR departments are paranoid. They come in paranoid every day. Oh no, did 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 we provide the right protocol? Are we going to get sued by somebody? Who's going to you know upset the apple cart today? Or, or, or who's going to call in sick? Uh-oh, all the people that worked in that room with him last week, uh, we've got to give them two weeks off to quarantine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and so this whole, this, this whole thing has, has snarled up. Yeah. It has snarled up, gummed up the works. The bigger you are, the vo- more vulnerable you are to all this new, all this new stuff. I mean, here on, here on the farm, we didn't even know there was a COVID thing. I, I mean, we went out about our business. We were out we doing our do. thing. And, you know, um, a couple of people might've gotten it. I don't know. It was a couple of days of, you know, like flu and then you're done. And, yeah. and I don't think I've ever had it. And I've been flying and traveling all over the place, you know? Yeah. Um, and, 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 and so for us, here's the bottom line. We don't need to increase our beef 32%. You don't. 10%, no, 10% is plenty. Why? Because, because we don't have all these HR, uh, uh, you know, uh, paranoid litigious, litigious stuff. We don't have all, we haven't rewritten our, our, um, our, our employee handbook. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, 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 and we don't buy fertilizer from Russia and we don't buy wheat from Ukraine and, yeah. and we don't have those kinds of, of problems. And yeah. so, um, so in this new arena, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it is absolutely exciting to be price competitive yeah. with these big outfits for the first time in our life. Ever. Uh, yeah. yeah, ever, ever. It, ever. It's never ever. happened before. Right, right. Yeah. So that's a, that's a, from a, from a marketing standpoint, that's a really exciting place to be. And it really is. And, and, yeah. And, and so, so we are a, we are a speedboat in 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 um, in you know choppy waters and uh, you know the the disturbance of the of the culture. We're a speedboat, right? That we can navigate. And and when things are like that, you want to be a speedboat. You don't want to be an aircraft carrier uh, that can't turn around very well. Right. And so so uh, those those are two things: the the whole educational component, the interest in what we're doing. Uh, and people willing to pay for information, you know, to learn how to do that. And then secondarily, this whole pricing structure thing, which we just, we just feel like if things, if trends continue the way they are, we're going to end up being the lowest priced food. I mean, I mean, we, we, we don't have, we don't have to sit here and talk about externalized costs. Like we, we are going to be like at the cash register, you know, yes. uh, uh, <laughs> competitive at the cash register. Yeah. And which, you know, really fundamentally changes the narrative. It does. It totally does. And Cody and I yesterday bought half a cow and half a hog from a farm that's, you know, 30 miles from us. Um, And, you know, I think a lot too, that comes with what you shared earlier about people who like this influx of people, and then they all stopped when things kind of went back to normal. I mean, you think about the convenience factor. Um, no, it's not convenient to drive, you know, 45 minutes with two kids in the back seat and all of that, like, you know, trying to figure out like what you're going to do with all of that. But, you know, for us, like we've looked at the cost, like, okay, like half a cow and half a hog, it's only going to serve us. Like 
it's, it's been the greatest thing that we did was just buying an animal and like (laughs) having a deep freezer and not having to figure that out. Um, having a garden, all of that is a game changer. It's a game changer. It it costs less money when you like break it all down. It's so much more cost efficient, which is, which is wild. And I'm kind of interested, um, in some of the things that, that you've touched on. I mean, this isn't some like hidden thing. I mean, prices are skyrocketing. Yesterday I was, I was on Instacart. Um, I sound so ridiculous talking to a farmer about Instacart, but I was on Instacart and I was buying apples. Like I was filling up my cart and a bag of six apples was $9. And yeah. And we have an apple tree in our yard, but it's not blooming. I mean, you know, it's not producing apples, um, yet it's, it will in a few weeks, but, um, but I thought to myself, like $9, like how are we supposed to buy groceries? Like a a sack of oranges was eight 99. I was like, we can't do this. So anyways, we came up with a whole new plan. Cody calls it our capsule, um, closet of groceries, (laughs) our capsule pantry. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, looking at all of that, you're seeing the skyrocketing prices. You're seeing fertilizer um, changing. Mm-hmm. I know that that has, I personally know people that that, that has affected. Um, you see, oh. you know, Ukraine is under turmoil. Um, right. What are right. you suspecting might kind of be birthed out of, out of this? Because, you know, summer is here and this is when things are being planted and harvest is near and when we are relying upon farmers to do this work and they're bowing out because they can't afford it. Um, what, what do you foresee with that? And how do you think yeah. that's going to change um, some things in our country? Yeah. Well, I, th- I think there's two things. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm making a note here. So I don't, I don't forget my train of thought, which is okay. easy. You start, you start down a train and then all of a sudden you get on a rabbit trail and you can't come yeah. back to where you were. Yeah. So, so I've, I've got, I've got two ideas. Um, one is that crisis, crisis creates opportunity. You know, in in in, ja- in Japanese writing, the symbol for crisis is the same symbol as opportunity. Yeah. And and so most people, most people don't make changes. We love routine, right? We love routine. You don't you don't go to the store and say, you know what? I've been a I've been a faithful Pantene Pro V uh, shampoo user all my life, and suddenly today I've got a hankering to become a, a you know, a head and shoulders, right? Yeah. We don't do we don't do that, right? We 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 love our routine, and farmers are the same way. You know, Grandpa did it this way, Dad did it this way. The extension service has to do it this way. You know, there, there's a there's an orthodox narrative or an orthodox protocol in farming, just like everything else. Yeah. And so, uh, and so, um, while while I don't, you know, I don't like. Who who wants difficulty? Who wants you know? Who wants hard times? Uh, but I can tell you that hard times bring innovation, bring creativity uh, of necessity. And so there, I mean, New Zealand, New Zealand, uh, thirty years ago eliminated its uh, its all of its subsidies, all of its ag subsidies. Cold turkey, December thirty one, no more ag subsidies. Half the farmers went out of business. Half the farmers went out of business. But the half that stayed in. The half that stayed in innovated. They innovated their way into profitability, and and they they were the they were the good ones. And they they figured out all sorts of brand new 
ideas and protocols and and and, and you know uh, uh, creative ways to do things. And so, so I think that if this if this continues, um, I think that it will create a new uh, a new playing field of innovation because there's going to be new rules in the game when there's new rules in the game people always innovate right when there's new rules in the game and so i I think that if we look at this as new rules in a game um while there will be some people that fall by the wayside and and can't and can't bring themselves to i'm just not going to do that you know there will be some like that, that, that that won't play the game anymore there will be others who are um, you know, ready to embrace it and, and ready to, to make changes. Yeah. And, and the changes that they will make will be pulling the plug on chemical fertilizers, uh, moving away from grains for, for herbivores, moving away from grains, going to perennial grasses. You know, we should see, we should see for example, uh, if you say, well, you know, what are people going to buy? They're going to buy, they're going to buy water pipe. They're going to buy um, electric, fen- electric fencing systems. They're going to buy uh, uh, shade, shade cloth mobiles for portable pasture shelter. You know, the, the, um, it, 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 when, when you change the game, um, the old infrastructure and the old inputs, all that stuff, it just changes. So, so it, it has to, yeah. Um, you know, you just, yeah, you just change something. So the, and the, so the second thing, the second part of this is a little more um, uh, maybe sinister. And that is, and, and I don't know, but I don't know what the government's going to do. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, as you know, the the regulatory climate in food, you know, the Food Safety Modernization Act that Obama put in, uh, with of course administered by the former um, chief legal counsel for Monsanto, um, has not been friendly to local local food commerce. Yeah, and yeah. and so um, you know, as if, if and when things uh, become more and more insecure, yeah. the, the great political cultural question is, will, 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 the, will the bureaucracy start to clamp down with, well, you can only buy cabbages on Mondays or, you know, uh, yeah. whatever, you know, will, will, will there be some sort of rationing, some sort of, of additional uh, in market interventions, yeah. you know, to, 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 to keep the peasants thinking some, somebody, somebody's, uh, whatever, uh, watching things, uh, yeah. or, or will the government become, um, ancillary, you know, will, will, will people just circumvent, you know, look, if you can't get food, you don't care if it's got a government label on it. Uh, yeah. I got to feed my kids. Uh, I'm coming to get your chicken and I don't care if it was butchered in the backyard and had an inspector looking over it. Okay. Um, and, and so, so you, 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 you kind of move from tyranny to anarchy on some sort of a spectrum here. Yep. And I, I don't think I'm certainly not smart enough to, to, you know, see into the future and see which of those will be. I know, which I hope, I hope it moves toward the anarchy, yeah. I, I'm not an anarchist, but but I, we could call it freedom. <laughs> we yeah. call it freedom and liberty. Um, I hope it moves that direction. But yeah. but I'll tell you uh, how many how many cultures have 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 gone into these kind of situations, and instead of going toward freedom, they've gone more toward tyranny. You know, Atlas shrugged. I mean, the whole the whole yeah. uh, thing there with um, 
with that. So, you know, that that's kind of a, in my view, um, if the government weren't involved, I think, I think we're headed pretty clearly into a more self-reliant carbon economy, biological, non-chemical, localized, less global. I think all that would just happen uh, as sure as the sun's going to rise tomorrow. Okay. But, yeah. but the government, the government, the government response is a wild card. And that's the one that, that has me, I don't sit up and worry about it, but I don't just assume that I know what's going to happen because that's a real wild card. It, it really is. And it, it's one that I, you know, right now I have a, I have a, an almost 11 month old baby mm. who drinks formula and there's no formula on shelves. It's nowhere. And I get on my mom Facebook groups and they're all saying there's no formula on the shelves. Does anybody have a bottle of thing of formula? Can somebody bring it to my house? I'll meet. Does anybody have excess? Does, you know, my sister texted me today. There's no formula on the shelf. I've gone to six different grocery stores and you start seeing panic, right? With this, especially yeah. what's the worst thing in the world to like not have baby, baby food is pretty important. Right. Um, and, and so for me personally, I'm like, okay, like, I, we buy raw milk. So I'm like, how do I make raw milk formula? You know, how did, how did a great, great grandmother who for some reason lost her milk supply, like she, she probably went and found someone else who had one and had them nurse her babies. But you think about what about orphan kids? You know, what do they do? What do they do in, in 1800? They were finding something else. Yeah. Well, what Weston Price Foundation Wow. Has, has has complete you know complete uh, homemade home, homemade formulas that you can do yourself. Yep. And yep. and they're they're not uh, you know they're not all soy based. Yeah. Um. And, and so so you know there's a I mean there again there's there's um the the information the information um desire out here for all of these kinds of self reliant independent um, disentanglement kind of ideas, uh, is, is, is huge right now. I mean, all of the, all of the homestead, homestead, whatever YouTube channels, the, the, uh, I mean, think about it. Remember, remember, um, when in 2020, in the summer of 2020, the number one Google thing, um, the number one Google thing for, uh, 2020, I don't know was, that I know what it was. How to make sourdough starter. Oh, I believe how, that with my whole heart. Yes. How to, how how to, to make, make sourdough. I mean, everybody was stuck at home. Yep. Uh, yep. And they couldn't go to the, you know, couldn't get fresh bread. And so everybody started, you know, thinking about how to make, how to make sourdough starter. I mean, yep. here, here's, a, here's another phrase, you know, I told you about just in time inventory versus uh, just in case inventory. Yeah. We've had customers now come to the farm and say, Come to the farm and say, look, I have I have health insurance, I have flood insurance, I have um, homeowners insurance, I have life insurance, I need food insurance. When have you ever heard an American, an American say, I need food? You you only get insurance for stuff that you think might you might be gone, right? To replace what might be gone. And so here, here, here at our farm, we're actually uh, wrestling with how do we create a food insurance uh, a template concept protocol yeah. 
wow. uh, so that so wow. that so that people can can actually pay a premium uh, and get what basically uh, seat seat one A in first class, okay, uh-huh. and no. You know, I'm going to have that seat. I'm I'm going to have that where where if if we eat, they eat. I mean, that's what people are looking for, and yeah. and so uh, and so you know though when you start hearing people talk like that and hear those phrases, those are little you know canaries in the mind that 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 you know when you hear these phrases, just like just like uh, 20 years ago when we started hearing the phrase food allergies. You know, yeah. I never heard the word food allergy. Yeah. That phrase was not even mentioned when I was a, you know, a, a kid up in my thirties. Yeah. It's only become a phrase. Well, when suddenly a phrase, a phrase that's never used in a society mm. suddenly becomes ubiquitous within like a year, you know, something's going on. Some, something, something strange is happening. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, that, that, that's the way it was with, you know, with food allergies. We've, we've, we've uh, abandoned, abandoned food integrity and, and, and food is fighting back. And, uh, you know, Campylobacter, Listeria, E. coli, Salmonella, uh, you know, the, we never heard those words when we were, you didn't have to call all the moms and say, you know, can I serve peanuts? Can I, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you didn't have to do that. Now, now that's the first thing on everybody's mind is you invite somebody to dinner. Do you have food allergies? I mean, that, that's insane. That's insane that food has become an enemy. And it's because we have, we, we have abused food production. We have abused the soil. We've abused the plants, abused the cows, abused the whole thing. Um, we've put unpronounceable stuff in it. We've put unpronounceable stuff on it. Um, I, I covered it up with, with glyphosate and everything else. And, and then, and then we wonder why we suddenly have, why we have a new lexicon of, of, um, of, of angry, of, of angry things yeah. that, that is essentially um, nature, nature and food creation, creation fighting back against our bad stewardship. Yeah. 100%. We had a, um, we had a guy come out. Do you, are you familiar with Dr. Alan Williams? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So he yeah. came do what? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. He is, mm-hmm. um, he came to our farm a few weeks oh, ago, wow. um, and did, um, just all types of, he looked at our soil. He had, you know, my dad dig it up and he was like, smell it. You know, it smells like copper and, you know, like all, like just all the different things showing us how much time it took for water to come through it. And, um, and was teaching us, you know, what types of cover crops to put on it and, and how to basically bring life back to our soil for areas where some of our trees weren't doing how, you know, we had hoped and what we needed to do to the land in preparation to plant more trees and, and all of that. And he was just like this wealth of knowledge. And like, you kind of, mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that we've come to a point where everyone is mineral deficient because their soil don't have any minerals in it. You know, like everybody's got all of these issues because their food is, is making them sick. And I'm a testament to that. I remember going to a functional doctor for the first time and I had horrible hormone imbalance. I had horrible chronic pain. My stomach hurt all the time. And she just looked at me and she said, all right, when you go to the grocery store for the next month, do not buy anything that you cannot pronounce. And if you can pronounce it, then you better know what it is. 
and see how you feel. And I, I mean, it slowly started to change my life to, to eat that way and to kind of change that perspective. Um, and back a little bit to, to like the food conversation of how much we're having on the shelves. And, you know, we don't, we obviously don't know what the response will be, but in your estimation, like when you're looking at what's going on, like, what do you think the fall is going to look like? Uh, well, if, if you, if you, uh, if you want to believe Biden, <laughs> uh, it's not, gonna be, it's not going to be pretty. All right. Um, I mean, not, not that we sit around and, and believe Biden about anything, but on this, he might, you know, uh, this is probably, uh, he probably knows something that you and I don't know. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, and, you know, Bill Gates is now the largest farmland owner in the U S. Uh, so he probably knows something that you and I don't know. Yeah. Um, this, this really came home to me one year. I, I did a seminar in, uh, in Sweden and the Royal Agriculture College there uh, was going to sponsor this uh, uh, partway. It was a, it was a shared, it was a, it was NGO and a, the Royal Agriculture College. And about a month before I was to go, uh, they called and said the Royal Agriculture College pulled out. And I said, why? And then they said, well, we'll tell you when you get here. Uh, we, we found some other funding and, and, and we're going to go on with the trip. Okay. So I went up there. I said, well, so what happened? They said, well, um, Monsanto came in and they, they said that we will, we will completely fund your uh, ag school if you get rid of the nine uh, environmental sciences professors and don't sponsor this, um, this radical, you know, uh, Salatin guy from the U.S. to come. Um, and, and I said, Monsanto, uh, this is Sweden. This is Sweden. What, what, you know, what's the deal with, um, you know, what's the deal with, with Monsanto? They're in grain. They're in grain production. There's no grain grown in, in Sweden. They said, ah, but wait a minute. They said, with, with uh, climate change and global warming, uh, they, they believe that the, the north of Scandinavia, all that cold area, Finland, Norway, Sweden, all that northern cold area is going to become the breadbasket, the granary of the, of the world. And what struck me with that conversation was, you know, you and I, you know, we, we see, we see these, you know, world economic forum. We, you know, we, we, we see these, th these, these, you know, uh, world leaders get together. And I don't know about you, but I always wonder, you know, remember I was an old journalist. I always wonder what are they, what are they talking about? What are, what are they actually saying? Yes. Uh, what's the conversation? Well, here's a little glimpse into the kind of conversation that actually happens at these places. Imagine the guy from Monsanto sitting there and, uh, and the Swedish prime minister or whatever, you know, and, and they're talking about the future. And well, we got to, you know, we got to get this, this ground ready because you're going to be growing wheat up there where there's, you know, tundra today, you're going to be growing wheat in wheat in 20 years. So we got to get in there and get ready and, and blah, 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 blah. And, and it just, it just struck me um, how, how little you and I actually know. Uh, yeah. and, and I'm, yeah. I'm not a conspiratist, not, you know, I don't, I don't, no. you know, I don't preach, I don't preach the Illuminati, but, but, but I do think that there is a, there is a, a fraternity of ideas. There is a, um, there is a, an orthodoxy of thought that, that permeates the powers that be. They've all been to the same school. They go to the same party. They drink the same wine. Uh, they go to the same, you know, resorts and, and, um, the, the guy, the guy that we bought our farm from in 1961, he was, he was a Swiss, uh, he, he was an immigrant from Switzerland yeah. and, uh, and, and he, he was a fairly wealthy guy. He only had the farm for four years, got tired of it and sold it, sold it to us. 
but he he had a little saying he said the rich know each other and and uh what what he was saying was that they run in these circles and their discussions are not our discussions and so it's um so how this is all going to play out you know i i don't have a clue but uh um i i know you know you just you just feel like we're in unusual times and um and and we'll you know we'll see so so what do you do well what what you what you do is you try to insulate yourself as much as possible from those times i mean you know teresa and i we raised two kids we never bought a single jar or can of baby food what we had the little we had the little uh, uh mill it went with us in a diaper bag and the kids ate what we ate, you know, we never bought a, we never bought a, a single thing of, of, uh, of baby food. They, the kids just, we ground it up, put it on a tray and, you know, yeah. make a mess with it. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. And, and yeah. And, uh, you know, you don't, you don't need kids toys. I mean, Tupperware works great. Our kids played with Tupperware. Yeah. They <laughs> the yeah. Counters and spread Tupperware all over the place, you know, different shapes and sizes and, oh, yeah. and colors, you know, and, 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 and this, this whole, you know, obsession with, I, we we didn't use uh, throwaway diapers. We used cloth diapers. Had a little diaper pail by the by the toilet, and we, you know, brush them in there. And and uh, we didn't have you know waste or have to buy diapers or whatever. And uh, so you know, so there's the, the I, I I hope I hope that where we are is going to create create a, a, a new reawakening, kind of like the kind of like the hippie movement that came out of Vietnam War uh, yeah. in the early seventies. You know, that's when the whole earth catalog and a whole uh, minimal minimalist movement uh, came. And now we see that permuting into the tiny house movement and and that sort of thing. And those are th- those are good. Um, I-, I-, I tell people, I say, why do you want to earn as much as you can earn as little as you can? Let's see how little we can earn. Then you don't have to pay taxes. Let's yeah. just let's just cut the government off. Let's just, let's yeah. just cut the government off, you know. Yeah. And, and and let's see how, let's see how little we can earn. A lot of people don't know. Teresa and I, most of our lives, we've lived under the poverty line, and um, but 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 we've lived well, you know. I mean, we have our all of our own food. We have our own heat. Uh, we don't have to go anywhere for entertainment. I mean, if you can't be entertained down at the pond and out in the woods, you know, you got you know you got problems. And so. Um, and so we still don't have a TV. We never had a TV, still don't have a TV. Um, so, so, you know, so here we are. And, and, and I like to encourage people by just saying, see how much you can do for yourself and how little, how little you can patronize that, that, that system. Yeah. And, um, and, and if, if we just start withdrawing support, um, that dog will gradually uh, get thinner. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 100% starving. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's a hard thing. I think for our generation, especially my, my grandfather used to say to my dad all the time, um, son, we're not poor. We just don't have any money. Um, you know, and it's, it's a, it's a phrase that I mean, basically my dad grew up the way that you're talking. Like they, were not wealthy people at all. They went out to eat one time a year. Um, they yep. ate everything that they grew, you know, their gardens were massive. They can right. did it do what? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They, they, so they, they were super self-sufficient in that capacity, but that was a time when that's what you did. I mean, if you didn't do it, then like, 
sad for you you know like um they would you know buy flour and sugar from a traveling grocery store that would come through town um flour sugar and coffee I can hear my dad talking about all that kind of stuff and then obviously they they evolved with the times and all of that kind of stuff but um but this is the kind of stuff that is hard for for our generation because we're just not accustomed to it like and, and not recognizing the fragility of our food system, um, that I think has been the biggest shocker to me that our shelves can empty out and not be replenished, like in less than a week. Like it's not yeah. even, it, it's not even like a couple of months. Like, I mean, you could walk in and nothing be there. Um, and then the, yeah, question- the average, yeah, yeah, the, the average, the average city, the average city, if, if you go to all the, you know, the supermarkets and the food vendors in a city, the average city has three days supply of food on hand. Three days. Wow. It's not, it's not much. No, not much. no. And, and, I, you know, and, Cody, and, go ahead. And, 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 you know, you can like for flour, you know, you don't have to buy flour. You can buy, you can buy uh, a, a sack of a 50 pound sack of wheat or yeah. barley or whatever. And with a little, with a little, uh, hand mill in your kitchen, yeah. you can put that in and, and mill your own flour. And guess what? You get all the, the endosperm and the, and the fiber, you know, it's not, it's not processed. Um, you get the whole thing. Now you have to use it. It'll go rancid because it's, you know, it's, it's actually a living, living substance, yeah. but, um, uh, you know, oatmeal. I mean, I knew a family that was that was on a tight budget. They were they were had a bunch of kids. They were they bought oatmeal by the 50, 50 pound sack. You know, they had a big sack of oatmeal. There, there are a few things as filling as good oatmeal. I mean, you, man, yeah. you, oatmeal. You put a little bit of honey or, or brown sugar on it, and yeah. and a little bit of milk, and man, you know that you can you can live on that. So, yeah. um, you know, there there are there are a lot of ways to. Uh, to cut costs, you know, you can, you can sprout mung beans in a quart jar in your windowsill, uh, you know, and that, that's, that's nutrient density up the wazoo. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, you, you can, you can get rid of the dog and the cat. I mean, no, I, I, I like pets too, but I mean, think about, you know, do you realize, you realize that 20%, 20% of all the meat sold in the United States goes to pets? 20%. Of all meat sold in the U.S. What? goes to pets. Yeah. I mean, so so you know when people say, "Well, I don't have money. I don't have you know, blah blah blah." No, you know, you know, you can eliminate your Netflix subscription. You don't need a lottery ticket. You don't need alcohol. You you can actually survive without coffee. Uh, <laughs> I've never drunk a cup of coffee in my life. I've never done it, you know, and I'm I'm fairly healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and in other words, again, I, I don't think this stuff is evil. It's just, it's just misplaced. It's just, it's just misplaced. And, um, and you, know, you don't, you don't need, you don't need high fructose corn syrup. You don't need soda. You don't need tobacco. You don't need, you know, a lot of this stuff. And, um, and, and so you, you, if, if you, if you look at how a person spends money, you can tell pretty quickly what their value system is. You, yeah. you just, you just show me how you spend money and I'll tell you what's important to you. Yep. Yep. And it, you know, and, and that's such a hard thing to understand. I think for a lot of people, I think people just observe like, this is what you do. This is how you live your life. And 
we're so disconnected from our food and how we, how we get our food. Um, you know, what's the, the funniest thing, the number one question that Cody and I get since we got laying hens. Okay. And we have talked to complete strangers and, and one of these, one of the people that asked was Cody's brother. They have asked us the question, how do you get eggs if you don't have a rooster? Yeah. <laughs> right. And like, you know, you, you sit there a second and you look at them like, what? But you really, if you think about it, they're looking at the egg as like a baby, right? You know, not, and it, it's just this, I was sitting on an airplane flying to Philadelphia and this woman, she's a chemical engineer. She's had a million degrees. She was very well educated. She's from India. And she sat there and she asked me that specific question. And I thought that is how far removed we are from our food. That like, yeah. that you, you believe can't... you have to have a rooster to have an egg. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have to have a rooster to, ha- you, you, you have to have a rooster to have a chick, yes. but you don't need a rooster to have an egg. Um, women, I, I did a, women do not need men yeah, to have eggs. No, no. <laughs> right? To make eggs. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. So, so I was, uh, so I was doing a, a, a seminar in a really upscale uh, Atlanta, Atlanta private school. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. And uh, I had I had uh, I don't know three hundred middle schoolers in a in a in a room in an assembly. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, uh, I said, who can tell me four vegetables that that you have to plant after frost, or frost will kill them? Wow. And the whole room of like 300, 300 you know, these these kids are what 13, 14 years old, yeah. and um, and the whole room was just quiet. You know, and finally one, one guy, you know, he raised his hand. He said, uh, he said, uh, green beans. I said, yeah, good. There's one who's got another one. You know, I felt like an auctioneer. Uh, there's one who's got a second one. And, um, so finally somebody said, said, you know, uh, sweet corn, one said peppers. Anyway, the point was finally after, you know, three or four or five minutes, I, I finally got out of them four vegetables. I said, well, maybe that was the wrong thing to ask. I said, maybe, you know, the other side better. Can you tell me four that that uh, that that can handle frost. You, know, you can plant before before frost is over, and they're hardy enough to handle handle frost. Same thing. Now the same four kids had this had the answer. They probably have gardens at their house. You know, they got a little yeah. bit of a uh, thing. And so then then I said, okay, well that was that was kind of difficult. I said, let me ask you this: What are the names of the three Kardashian girls? <laughs> and the whole the whole assembly erupted Cody, Cody, and, 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 and I mean it took me five minutes to calm them down you know from shouting out all the names I yeah. said so I want to ask you a question in life in life what do you think you would need to know better oh, wow. to 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 survive and to live with authenticity in life, which of those two questions do you think is most important? And I mean, they sat there just pin drop. Yeah. Pin drop. Exactly. It was, it was a true epiphany. It was an, it was a gotcha moment. Yeah. I did it with a smile. I did it with a smile. I didn't, you know, I wasn't browbeating, but they got the message. They got the message. 100% and, 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 and that, yeah. Yeah. And that's, 
you know, that's the kind of thing that as a culture, uh, you know, we've, we've marginalized farmers. We've said farmers are dimwits, hillbillies, rednecks. You know, uh, if you got any brains, you know, you're supposed to go be a, you know, a, a Dilbert cubicle, you know, um, person. Yeah. And, 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 and we've, and, and, um, you know, who, who actually encourages what guidance counselor in a high school would tell their number one honor student, wow, you are so uh, capable and, and, uh, and able. Uh, I think you should be a farmer. I want to put you in charge of our, you know, of our soil and our food and our natural resources. No, they, they don't, they, they, nobody does that. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm still, Right, right, right. I, I'm still, I'm still looking for that day, and that, that's why I, I tell farmers, look, guys, um, when you go to town, uh, dress up a little. When you, you know, um, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, you you, 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 you only get the respect that you think for yourself. And if you think you're just a hayseed, well, society will treat you like a hayseed. So yeah. read some self-help books. Read some Dale Carnegie. Read some Zig Ziglar. Read some, you know. Um, uh, go to join Toastmasters, learn how to speak, join the theater, learn how to tell stories. Okay. And, and, and so that you can, so that you can hold your own, um, in, in the, in the messaging department with all the idiots. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's such a, it's such a real thing. And like, we, you don't, it's almost like you don't even realize that we've, we've even labeled people as that. Um, but that's, that's a real, um, it's a reality. And I think one of the beautiful things about Polyface and kind of what you've done is you've said, you can make money. You can make money. You can do this. Like, this is not something that you're supposed to suffer, you know, like, but you also are on the other end saying, you also don't have to live with TV. You don't have to live with, you know, all of the the fancy cars and all the things like you, you can live frugally and raise your own, your own crops and animals and all of these things. And, and you can have, you can have both, you can make a profit, you can live off of. And, um, I was talking, uh, some friends came over for dinner the other night and it was a couple that came in and the husband had been away with the military for about a year and he was finally home. They came over for dinner and they were telling us, they were like, yeah, we went over to, um, so-and-so's farm it's a farm that's actually like right up against ours and it's a chicken farm and he's he's selling it he's selling six houses and like 80 acres and um he's asking 1.9 million dollars for it and this is a couple in their mid-20s and they're like we're trying to find a chicken farm but they're all a million dollars and more and meeting people that it's like they they think that that's the only that's the only way. And it was cool. Uh, Cody was able to engage with them about that and share, um, some of your stuff, um, pastured poultry profit. uh, Is that it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So he, he shared that book with him and, um, but yeah, I mean, just knowing that there's, there's a way to make money with that kind of stuff. And even if you're not making money off of it, that you could actually have a self-sufficient backyard that your yard could serve you and care for you and you can raise chickens and still work in town, you know, and it not be right. something that's so daunting. Right. Um, but you know, the average, the average, the average American male right now, the average American male between 25 and 35 years old spends 20 hours a week playing video games. That's <gasps> average. 
that's average. Now you think, I mean, that, that's, that's a male between 25 and 35, which is, you know, obviously the most virulent, uh, high physicality, you know, uh, time of, of a, of a man's life. Uh, think of that, think of what could be done. Think of what could be done in that amount of time in those hours. I mean, it's, it, it's off the chart. Um, I mean, I mean, with that number of hours, a guy could actually get in the kitchen and help his wife, you know, do some canning <laughs> and, and do, you know, uh, 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 package some meat, freeze dry some stuff. I mean, you know, there's all sorts of things you can do. And yeah. so th there, there is not, there is not a crisis or an issue or a catastrophe, uh, a problem in the world that isn't being solved because we don't have time or money to solve it. That's the truth. Yeah, that's the truth. It is. It's so true. It's very real. And it's hard because you, you know, there's so many things that people, it's an attachment, it's an addiction, you know, and people are obsessed with it and it's how they, they're decompressing. And, you know, and I think, I don't really know that our grandparents had insomnia because they weren't staring at a blue light all day. You know, they weren't, they right. were outside, they were working and sweating and detoxing and that's right. they were exhausted at 6 p.m. and the sun went down and they were done you know um and that's kind of yeah with Cody and I we've we've worked towards that and it's it's a it's a hard thing especially when you're tired with your kids you're like tapped out at 7 p.m. you're like yeah I don't want to go put chickens up I don't want to go like I don't want to go feed them and do all the things but realistically speaking it's doable um yeah. I love hearing your take on all of that. And it honestly, it lights a fire under me too. This, this conversation is like, Oh, it's so enlightening. And it's so helpful to hear, especially moving here. You know, we moved here in 2020, um, for this project, it wasn't mm -hmm. like fleeing the city. It was just like, this is what we have. And right. we moved here and, and it's hard. It's, it's a hard agriculture and that the world is just, it's so different to adjust to. So that encourages me deeply. Um, to kind of wrap up our conversation a little bit, could you, if you had a piece of advice to give to Joel Salatin at 22 years old, or, um, to just any person, young person who is feeling kind of lost or just trying to navigate, you know, life and especially life in these times, Cody said a quote the other day that like hard times create strong men, strong, strong men create good times good times to recreate something like weak men or something like that. And it cycles back around. Yeah. Good, um, good, yeah, good, good, good time. Good times create weak men, weak men, uh, create hard times, hard times, hard times, create strong. good men, yeah. strong men. Yeah. And yeah the, it, it's like four, four, you know, four, uh, circles Four. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a wonderful, I don't know who said it, but it's a, it's a wonderful quote. And I've heard it. So, yeah. So, you know, so we're, we're approaching um, those hard times, I think, or, you know, the weak men are now in hard times. What would you say? Right. What would you say to someone wisdom? Yeah. So um, first of all, uh, I, I would say that you, you finally become an adult when you stop being a victim you can be a victim of your, you can say, my parents weren't very good. My school wasn't very good. We didn't have this. We didn't have that. We didn't go here. We didn't go. I don't have this connection, that connection. Yeah. The, the, the moment you finally realize that, um, that victimhood, victimhood is not an entitlement. Victimhood does not get you anywhere. 
um, that that's the day you grow up. I have a friend that said that said he knew he became an adult the day he said the day he realized mom and dad weren't perfect, but they did the best they knew how at the time. Yeah. That's when I became an adult. And I think I think that's exactly right. There's no perfect parent. Nope. And I know you want to be perfect, but you won't be perfect either. Right. You know, there, there'll be a time when you you lose your temper or whatever, you know, there, it just is. Okay. And, and so, so as we come into young adulthood, we need to appreciate that, that, um, that our future is going to be what we make it. We are not stamped, stamped inevitably with the, with the past. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's ultimately it's ultimately hopeful, but it's, it's vision driven. So then the next step is, so what, what is worth, what is worth dying for? Is there anything, is there anything that you find that's worth giving your life for sacrificing your life for? I mean, you know, uh, uh, we know biblically that to really live is to sacrifice yourself. It's servanthood that actually creates full flourishing life. And so, um, and so the question is, you know, what, what, what is worth devoting all of your time, all of your attention, all of your passion to, and, and then, and then, and then, and then once you find that, once you identify that, yeah. then don't quit, don't quit. The problem is pe- people, you know, uh, people that have talked about our success, you know, I'm not smarter than anybody. I don't have any you know, leg up on anybody. I think a lot of our success was that we were just too stubborn to quit. You know, we just, yeah, we had foxes in the chickens. We had floods. We had a tornado. We had, you know, uh, power go off, uh, April snowstorms. I mean, you know, I can go down and down and down it, but, but, uh, but you just, you just stay with it. You know, if, if it's, if it's worth, if it's worth your life, um, it's worth staying with it. And, and you, and, and you get better at it. You get more skilled, you develop mastery, your experience level goes up. So, so, so I would say that the three things for me are victimhood is a cop out for your life. Figure out what your life is worth living, dying for living and dying for. And then, and then don't quit when you go after it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. This was so like encouraging and helpful and motivating. And just, it was just so fun to just, to hear all of your thoughts on everything. I want you to come to my farm and tell us all the things, teach us all the things. Cody could sit at your feet for hours and hours, days, I bet. Um, so we hope that we can come back to Polyface. We came summer 2020. And like I said, my dad, was sitting with a legal pad for 11 hours in the car, like oh. jotting out did you, notes. Did you, did you come for a lunatic tour or oh, for, yeah. oh, you came for a lunatic tour. All right. Yes. Mm-hmm. We, um, so for father's day, I mm-hmm. told Cody, I was like, we're going to Virginia. We're going this weekend. We got a babysitter. Like we, you know, we did all of that. And, um, and my parents called and they were like, Hey, we kind of want to go too. And so we all packed up and 
drove to Virginia together and um, Cody has just been itching to see your farm for years. And so that was his father's day present was to get to come on the lunatic tour. And you were the one who gave it to us. Um, and it was, it was awesome. It was so, it was just encouraging on so many levels, like the, the a company that we work with, um, you know, they are, they're wanting to broaden our project just because we have the biggest farm, um, by doing, you know, rotational grazing with animals and like kind of mm -hmm. getting all of that going. And they're the ones that got Dr. Um, Williams to come to our farm. And so this was all, I don't know, it just, there's so much to it where you just feel like the Lord like continues to evolve your steps. You know, he makes right. your path straight when you stay like yes. committed. Um, and so anyways, so a lot of your stuff was just so encouraging, but yes, we came June, mm -hmm. June, 2020, no. um, was when we came and it was, it was beautiful. It was so pretty, you know, Alabama in June is hot. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we came That's and it true. was like, yeah. amazing weather you know like in the high that's 80s and 40s <laughs> yeah, that's great well, good yeah. well you know i i do i do farm consulting too i do a lot of traveling uh to do you know those kinds of things yeah. and, 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 and in fact that has blossomed along with this whole educational thing uh i'm doing a lot of, of farm consults now for people that have bought a bought a farm bought a homestead and 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 they don't want to you know they don't want to make a you know a, a you, you can make a twenty thousand dollar mistake uh, pretty quickly uh, yeah. on a on a piece of land, and thank so uh, I do that. But I do I do hope you'll come back and uh, yeah. and look forward to seeing you again. Yeah. And thanks for your thanks for the the conversation, the great questions. Your, your spirit your spirit is um, is is just uh, effervescent. Aww. And uh, so um, till next till, till we, I just thank you for the for the platform and the opportunity to talk wow. to your talk to you and your folks. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, I look forward to chatting with you again and, and I will, um, I'll keep you posted on when this episode is going to air. Tell everyone briefly, really quick, tell everyone where they can find you like on yeah. websites, uh, sure. social media, anything. Sure. Sure. So our, our web, our website is, uh, polyface farms, P O L Y F A C E polyface farms. If, if you do P O L Y, it'll probably pop up. Uh, polyfacefarms, uh, um, you know, .com. And uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty comprehensive website. It has everything from the events and the gatherings that we're doing. We're, we're you know, we're going to be doing one uh, with Stopman Grass Farmer this summer and one with, uh, with Tom Ziegler of the Zig Ziegler. Um, yeah, yeah. Th this is going to be uh, a new territory for us. Uh, basically, the moniker for that is you've gone to farm conferences to do better farming. Come to this one to be a better farmer to be a better person as a farmer. Wow. And so, so it's, it's, it's pushing me to, to bring my ag stuff to the, to the kind of the self-improvement and, and it's pushing them to bring their self-improvement to agriculture. So it'll be, a, it'll be a first time. It'll be a real exciting thing. Um, and, and so, yeah, check us out there on the gatherings. You can see where I'm traveling, where I'm going. If you've got friends or neighbors, you want to, you know, uh, uh, come and, and hear my, my, uh, my dog and pony show. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, uh, and, and of course the, the tour schedule is on there as well. We do tours. Um, and, and of course the, the intensive discovery seminar, which is a two day, a two day, six meal. Basically we take a, a week worth of seminar and pack it into two long days. Uh, those are coming up in July and, yeah. um, 
And so anyway, there's, there's a lot going on in addition to, you know, we ship, we ship nationwide. So if you've got far flung visitors that just don't know where to turn, uh, we're glad to service them with good food until they can find, you know, a local supplier. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, we're, 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 we never want to displace local, but we also understand that everybody's got to start somewhere. And yeah. sometimes, you know, click, clicking the, clicking the, the, the shopping cart button is easier right now than, yeah. than vetting and finding your sources, you know, and you can grow into that. So, yeah. um, glad to, glad to serve that polyfacefarms.com. All my books are there. I've written 15 books. And, um, you know, you're welcome to, to jump on those as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I so appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. It is my honor to have you here in this space, listening and being encouraged right alongside me. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to rate, review, and share it with a friend. Each little ounce of encouragement and sharing does more than you know. If you want to follow along on social media, you can find me on Instagram at at Laura underscore Jean underscore Bell. You can join my Facebook community group, Laura Bell Writes. That is W-R-I-T-E-S, Laura Bell Writes. Or you can hop over to my website, laurabell.co. This year is the year I am writing and finishing my first ever published book, You Can Always Come Home. I hope you will join me on social media to be a part of that journey as well. Thank you for being here, friends. Let's keep laughing at the days to come.